Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit CARON.org slash lost. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on Shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Yeah. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Any idea about the meniscus or the ACL? The meniscus? The meniscus. You don't want to tear it. I, that's what I thought. That's what I heard. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want to tear it. Yeah. Rarely do you want to tear something in your body. Right. Well, the ACL, if I tear it, I got to get surgery. Right. And that's, I think, what I tore. Oh. So well. better start drinking. <laughs> All right. That sounds good. Welcome to the show, everyone. I'm Ben Kissel. As always, with Marcus Parks, he's wearing... A Cowmen t-shirt. It's the great band. They're called the Cowmen. Check them out. And I'm in it. Go check out our album on Spotify. That is sort of a faux pas to wear the shirt of the band that you are in, Mr. Parks. That's that's not a faux pas. That's what you're supposed to do. Travis, wait until you're introduced. I'm making fun of Marcus. I always start the show making fun of Marcus, and then Marcus (laughs) calls me an idiot, and then we introduce the guest. Yep, that's the way it goes, you idiot. Good Lord. (laughs) The cowman, kind of a faux pas (laughs) to be wearing a shirt that you're a member of a band, whatever. (laughs) He's the drummer of the cowman. Check out the album how you doing marcus i'm doing great how are you i'm good i'm good thank you i I am a little bit wounded as well i fell on the ice uh during this last uh storm and it was a nightmare oh you fell on the ice yeah i fell on the ice and it was a total disaster i was walking to the bar because it's a snowstorm there's nothing else to do i don't have a family to terrorize (laughs) And, and that's the one fun thing about a snowstorm you get to really let your kids know what daddy was like in college a drunkard and I'm walking to the bar, and uh, they were doing some uh, construction on the sidewalk. So there was a steel plate mm-hmm. uh, over, you know, the, the place that they were constructing the new sidewalk. And I'm walking to the bar, and I said, on, uh, I said on my way over, I said, I'm, I'm falling on this. I said, on the <laughs> way home, I'm falling right here on this steel slab. And sure enough, I'm walking back from the bar. I'm a cartoon-level drunk. I, I'm, I'm burping things into the air. You would have thought I just got off a sailor's boat. And I pass the concrete, and I walk on the steel slab, and I, right, I fall right on my uh, on my butt, and it was embarrassing, and it was in front of all these girls, and they were laughing, and the guys, they don't want to help me, I'm too big to care for. It was a nightmare, so I'm sore. Oh, it's fine. I did great in the snowstorm. I didn't go outside. I was all cozy up. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. Mm. Different ways to handle it. All right, today's guest, we got uh, Travis Irvine. Travis Irvine is with us. Hey, uh, you know how I handled the snowstorm was uh, going to Chicago 
a way colder place, and then <laughs> it didn't snow there, so yeah. that's what I did. It's a brilliant idea. Yeah, I thought of that one. Not bad. Uh-huh. Let's see. So on the last episode, we ended it with a great uh, story. Not a great story, a sad story, a tragic story. Outside of uh, out of uh, Flint, Michigan, Claude Wilson, a longtime listener and uh, and good friend of the show, gave us some details on what was occurring with the water crisis in Flint, Michigan. But Marcus and I are proud to announce because Abraham Lincoln's top hat covered it, everything is fine in Flint. <laughs> Am I right, Marcus? Thumbs down on that, Benjamin. Thumbs down. Okay, so things have gotten worse. Is that correct? <laughs> things have gotten so much worse. In fact, the residents are starting to be told by the city that if they don't pay the water bills for the water that they cannot consume, mm. the city will charge them with child endangerment and can then take away their children. So theoretically, they don't pay the water bill, and then they shut off that uh, house's water, and then because the water is shut off, now the child is endangered and the state uh, can come and take them away. That is an absolute 100% reality in Flint, Michigan. Brilliant. Absolutely, absolutely brilliant. It's completely outrageous. It's absolutely insane. I can't believe it's happening. Once again, in this country. Mm. So Governor Schneider, the governor of Michigan, he absolutely dropped the ball. He's a total failure. He's a schmuck. And again, he should resign. The one thing government has to do for the people is give them fresh, clean drinking water and a couple of roads. Yeah. That's all we ask for. Even some of the roads can be dirt roads. Those are the most fun to go mudding on. Yeah. <laughs> mm. You know? But it is it, 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 it is getting terrible. It's getting worse and worse in Flint and they're saying this is going to be a 15-year cleanup process, Marcus. Is that right? 15 years and $60 million to fix this. And in the meantime, anyone who lives in the area where uh, this is happening, they're not going to be able to sell their homes. They're not right. going to be able to get They're stuck there. Yeah. Right, right. I mean, I Home guess- values are down. Oh. Flint for sure. Oh, yeah. oh, was- and they were already pretty down before, anyway. <laughs> Toxic levels of lead aren't good for the housing market, huh? Apparently not. <laughs> Isn't that a shocker? I mean, here's the thing. How, how much was the first, uh, the first round of pipes that the government should have laid? Remember, they had a choice of two types of pipes. They chose the in it, the... Le- less expensive lead pipes, mm-hmm. which is what has led to the the whole problem. They're Wh- saving money for the people. Yeah. It's, well, yeah. Yeah, and it's not just the lead pipes. The biggest problem was uh, that they stopped taking it uh, from I think Lake Michigan. Uh, or they, they started taking it from a place called Lake Huron, and uh, we got into quite a controversial spelling match or pronunciation match, rather, <laughs> on the last episode. Everyone says Ben doesn't know how to pronounce many things. His his mouth is full of Swiss cheese. <laughs> but I'm I was calling it Huron, which makes more sense. It's H U R. O-N, but it's Huron. Huron, Lake Huron. That's, that's where really? they're getting it from. Or that's where they first got it from. Now they're getting no. it from the Flint River. Oh. It is, uh, I'm not sure if that's correct. I believe it was coming from Lake Huron uh, when it was uh, poisoned, but I don't know. You can you can check that out. I heard they're getting it from Lake Lead. That's, and that's <laughs> not the lake to get the water from. That's a, a bad lake. That's don't correct. swim in that lake. No, do not go there. Do nothing there. You're going to come out looking like a toxic swamp thing-like character, but minus the charm and the cameras <laughs> won't be on you and you won't get a television series out of it. You'll just be an outcast that nobody talks to or touches like a leper from biblical times. 
So Flint, Michigan, it's going through a massive crisis. We mentioned on the last episode, Marcus, clarification. Uh, from Lake Huron to the Flint River. It's currently okay. at the Flint River. Okay, currently at the Flint River. From uh, the Flint River. Currently getting it from the fr- uh, Flint River, which might as well be called Flint Lead. <laughs> okay, <laughs> Lead River. Whatever, it doesn't matter. Good job, Travis. Thank you for being here. I'm helping. That's right. We mentioned uh, how many other cities... Uh, you know, we're talking about Flint, but are there other cities that are affected with a similar third world like crisis? The lack of clean drinking water coming from their taps. And it turns out, Travis, your home state, mm-hmm. there's a small town going through a similar thing as the people suffering in Flint. Yep. Sebring, Ohio uh, now has poison water at such high levels that they have shut down schools for the last three days. You and- know. When I was in Wisconsin, we used to have snow days because, uh, you know, the weather was too treacherous to go outside in, but you got to go sledding. You would have a good time. And in modern America, we've fallen so far from our heyday, so far from the glorious days where our infrastructure wasn't full of poison killing our children. Now they have to stay home for lead days, which is (laughs) very sad. Yeah, and officials in Sebring, Ohio, have known about this contamination since last September, but they only let the residents know about it on Thursday. And, you know, oh. if you are if you are in city government, if you are a governor, a mayor, a, uh, an assemblyman, a, a council person, isn't this like, hey, I have something to do today. I'm going every, I'm going door to door yeah. and letting every one of my constituents know, <laughs> put the water down. I'm right. saving the day. This would be a thing that you'd think city government officials would love to do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. To, to save your people for the love of God. Yeah. Exactly. It's like when you, uh, you know, it's like when a mother uh, pours a liquid uh, clear bleach into a cup, and she and she puts it by the washing machine, uh, machine, and she sees her kid grabbing for it and about to put it up to his mouth, and she goes into panic mode, mm-hmm. screams, uh, you know, bloody, uh, bloody murder, and and lunges for her son or daughter and slaps the bleach water out of their hands. That's what the city should have done. Uh, in this in this situation, I don't understand how you get an email being like, "Hey, uh, the water is poisoning everybody," as if um, as if uh, you know, uh, Scarecrow uh, from Batman. He's poisoned the water supply. <laughs> Let's get to it in a couple of months. Well, it seems <laughs> it's unbelievable. To, it seems to be the source of this is just one municipal employee, or at least one guy covering it up. This guy, uh, water treatment plant superintendent Jim Bates. He's being put on. Paid administrative leave, mm, by the good. way, oh, while boy. this is be this contamination is being uh, investigated. But what they're saying is that he probably or might have falsified reports. So literally, the entire event can go down with the sentence "Jim did it." <laughs> like the governor can just be like, yeah. "I don't know, Jim did it. Jim so, did it. Jim did it. Jim poisoned." Thousands of people in our local community, Jim, did it. Don't you worry. We've put him on uh, paid leave. That's right. And he can or- he can only order Papa John's three times a week. Mm-hmm. So that's that's one of his punishments. He loves Papa John's. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was the EPA, the Ohio EPA, uh, that sent out letters to the village of Sebring saying, hey, there's something a little fishy with your water out there. Uh, and it said that... Um, Elevated lead levels were noted by the EPA in November, but customers didn't learn about the issues until Thursday. Right. And this is lead poisoning. This is straight up this is, lead in the water. This is bad. Uh, how many people are, are sick in that town? Does not have any sort of uh, figures right now because this right. story just, broke, just today. broke today. And to be fair, to the... Uh, 
policymakers of Sebring, they crushed the Flint, Michigan policymakers who waited years. You so technically, years. they're better than Flint. Yeah. And again, we'll Ooh. we'll continue to follow stories like this. How many other um, small towns in this country are suffering from lead in the water? It should not be happening in 2016's America. Bridges it, are falling down and lead's in the water. It's pathetic. It shouldn't be happening in the states surrounded by the Great Lakes either. Exactly. That, that's literally <laughs> the most water we have in this country. It's the it's the they have the largest amount of fresh water. I be- certainly in the country, and I'm yeah, not sure water, I'll say yes. it in the world. I'm just going to say in the world because America is, is the world to me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm saying they got the most clean water, fresh water in the world. Anyway, so a, just a sad update on Flint, Michigan, and now a new uh, story coming out of Sebring, Ohio. Do not drink the water. I know Nestle and a lot of the InBev people, have they've donated uh, 700 million um water containers to people in colleges and stuff like that so it is one of those nestle uh, donated nestle the donated same people who stole all of california's water yeah, yeah kind of you know <laughs> and poisoned a whole series of other people now. yeah oh good yeah <laughs> right if you follow the chocolate that's not necessarily <laughs> yeah. a clean you know road there a lot of blood on the chocolate path very uh okay so that's the update there hopefully things can get figured out and uh, governor schneider is held accountable and everybody down the chain is held accountable because that's the only way they're going to learn that you can't treat people like se- second class citizens you got to treat everybody the same they're it's, not going to be held accountable they what, better be what about jim well jim <laughs> is on paid leave so he is being held accountable oh good yeah, technically jim's yeah i, I d- jim will probably mm. go down but i doubt governors will go down because of this he I can seriously doubt. he's even he's refusing to even entertaining the idea of resigning but it takes right. a while these things snowball and i i think it is a possibility once the protests really start to heat up right like they, they have to heat up the water in their hometown in order to drink it. <laughs> <laughs> well they've they've released uh emails right didn't uh yes he released there's emails. officially an investigation now of the governor's office but they left out seven months of emails right so we'll see over the years emails are big email scandals are hot this year there's no doubt about that between hillary clinton and governor schneider everyone wants to know what all these people in power are emailing about (laughs) uh by the way that uh investigation that you're talking about the Mm -hmm. uh, guy that's leading it uh donated to snyder's campaign oh unbiased yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) he'll be yeah that's fine yeah and by the way, he, at the beginning, he refused to look into the allegations. At the very beginning of the water crisis, when mm. it first started coming out, Snyder was like, yeah, we're not going to look into it. Right. We're good. Ugh. It was only after it became such a national outcry that he finally said, all right, we're going to look into it. But the person that he tapped was somebody that donated to his campaign. It's unbelievable. The water in Flint, Michigan, and now in Sebring, Ohio, they, it's coming out of the taps black like at the Cecil Hotel when Lamb died in the uh, in the water tank. Yeah. People at the Cecil Hotel in Los Angeles, we've covered it on the last podcast on the left, uh, 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 described pitch black water coming out of the faucets. You want to guess the name of the uh, guy that, that's doing the investigating? Oh. Uh, let's see. I'm going to say. His first name is Todd. I'll give you the Todd. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Maybe. Um, Schmuckman? <laughs> uh, let's see. No, it's uh, it's in the theme. Oh, is it's it? It's a themed name. Yeah, yeah. It's it's. I think maybe Snyder might have a little bit of sense of humor on this one. Oh, Whoa. I see. Okay, Todd Leadbelly. <laughs> yeah, something toxic. I don't know. Oh, no. Todd Flood. Oh. Whoa. Yeah. Well done. That is kind of fun. Speaking of... <laughs> 
floods. That that reminds me of another terrible situation. As a matter of fact, the uh, the auto plants in Flint they stopped using uh, the Flint uh, tap water multiple months ago because it was eroding the car parts that they were attempting uh, to clean with it. So you can imagine what it's done to the human bodies that were consuming the lead water in Flint. Not good. Mm. Oh, and by the way, did you know that lead never leaves your body? Oh, kind of fun. A little buddy for <laughs> oh, life. That's yeah. why they called him Lead Belly. <laughs> yeah, it does make a lot of sense. There forever. That yeah. must add a lot of weight. No matter how skinny you are, you're always going to be 500 pounds. Yeah. yeah, it just accumulates in your body. Uh, your body doesn't know. I think your body treats it the same way. I think it stores it in your body. Like mm-hmm. in the kidneys somewhere. Yeah, it gets confused. Lead confuses your body. So it stores it in the same place that a different chemical would be stored. But that other chemical eventually dissolves or is processed. But yeah. lead just kind of hangs out there and never leaves. Well, with any uh. luck, they'll be superheroes. <laughs> Who knows? Well, speaking of bad water, we got to give some praise to Barack Obama for at least starting the ball moving when it comes to ending solitary confinement. This show has been against solitary confinement since we began four years ago. That's right. My goodness. I can't believe how long we've been talking to each other. Uh, (laughs) Recently, he just passed or he's attempting to pass. And it sounds like it might be an executive order banning solitary confinement for federally uh, jailed Youths, right now there are not that many young people. Right now there are not that many uh, juveniles uh, in solitary when it comes to uh, you know the federal in, in federal prisons. There's only 13, but again, it is uh, it's a step in the right direction to ending this practice that uh, the Quakers found to be too offensive, and I'm fairly certain the Quakers made uh, women use um, what's the name of the uh, the t- wicker. For tampons. <laughs> so the Quakers are not exactly known to be that. Well, they are sort of what known to be your, nice. What is your source for that? Yeah, wait a minute. The Quakers <laughs> made women use wicker for tampons. I'll, I have no source other than me saying it right now. So technically the source is a Blinkist top hat. This is the definition of media echo chamber. I always thought I thought they used oats. No, they did not use oats. That's they just what... shove a bunch of oats up there. Oh, my goodness. Well, I guess the horses would be busy. Good Lord, what's wrong with you? Hey, my wife likes it too. <laughs> that was my Quaker. It was a very good Quaker. <laughs> of course, uh, juvenile uh, solitary confinement in federal prisons, it came to light with the case of Khalif Browder, a man who spent four, a, a, a child, a kid, he was under, uh, under the age of 18. He spent 400 days uh, locked up alone on Rikers Island, four years total wow. uh, in jail or in prison for the most part. And uh, it was for a robbery charge. Four years he spent getting beat up by police, uh, getting beat up by uh, by corrections officers and by other inmates. Four years he goes in front of the judge on the robbery charge, and the judge says, case dismissed. Can you imagine that feeling for this poor, poor guy? 400 days in solitary confinement awaiting trial for a crime that would then later take a judge literally two and a half minutes yeah. to weigh in on. And four seconds to say case dismissed. The justice system in this country is bizarre. It's crazy. He obviously didn't have the money to uh, to pay the bail, so uh, he's there for four years. His life is a nightmare. Long story short, he goes. He tries to get his life together. He goes to a community college. He's making all the the right steps. Uh, obviously, he has massive psych, uh, psychological uh, issues after these four years and four hundred days in solitary. Ends up hanging himself. And uh, it was a real it was a real tragedy. Barack Obama uses that as one of the great anecdotes 
for, or one of the sad anecdotes rather, for why he believes that solitary confinement for youths needs to be done away with, and I completely agree with him on that. I mean, if you want to talk about lasting psychological damage, this guy could not sit still in class. He would have panic attacks in classrooms right. because he couldn't sit still for that long. He would start to feel the walls closing in on him mm-hmm. in a classroom. You're I mean, he's ruined. That, that's what solitary confinement does to these people. Mm-hmm. It ruins them. It, this is a developing brain. A, a chi- when you're 16, your brain is still developing. You are a child. Yeah. Uh, and you get out, these guys get out, and they're just ruined for life. There's Absol- nothing they can do. Absolutely. Wow. Uh, there's no doubt about it. You are entombed. You are buried alive. But unlike a pharaoh, you don't have all your toys to play with. <laughs> you know, they bury all, the, they bury no all these. Yeah, they, there's no, no cats. <laughs> there, there's no jewels. You know, in they modern day society, yeah. no iPads or iPhones or whatever it might be. They don't uh, put your brain in a jar. Exactly. <laughs> so you can give it to the god Horus later. Exactly. Yeah. You got nothing to do in there, it, especially during the most developmental times of your mind, which is uh, exactly what Marcus just said. So Obama doing a good thing in his final year of office, uh, attempting to end juvenile solitary confinement. Right now, there are 10,000 people total in solitary confinement in federal prisons. I believe that we need to do away with the practice uh, entirely. Maybe we can have it for a very extreme situations. Murder. But, but even for murder, I mean, you know. No, like solid- murder in the prison. Maybe murder in the prison, but a lot yeah. of times what happens is the, <laughs> prison people in, the people in solitary confinement, they make a massive mistake because no, they don't know the rules of a jail or of a prison. So they'll go and they'll say uh, to a prison guard under the premise, under the idea that, the, that this prison guard is there to help them, they'll say, I'm getting bullied by this guy. He wants to beat me up. He's taking my money, whatever it might be, sodomizing me, sexual assaulting me, whatever it might be. The person who's doing the assaulting doesn't get put in solitary. The person who complains gets put, uh, gets put in solitary with pedophiles and rapists and these disgusting human beings. The whole system is flawed. Protective custody is what they call it's it. It's a nightmare. Protective custody? And, yeah. all, and then, that's, of course, naturally. That's a, that's a good euphemism. Yeah, exactly. And of course, when, you, when you're in protective custody, the irony is you only get basic cable, so you just have to watch all the judge shows. <laughs> so you're just sitting there watching Judge Judy and Judge Joe Brown. You're watch- but you just want to get to the judge yourself. That's so funny. Travis, Judy or Brown? Oh, I uh, uh, definitely a uh, people's court person. Yeah, it's, ah. a, it's a chick now who's doing it. She's very good. Only <laughs> only because I was once on the people's court. What were you on the people's court for? Uh, I was my buddy's witness uh, uh, to uh, the crime of uh, uh, his ex-girlfriend was suing him for uh, stealing his jokes. Uh, and, but he, he was... What? Yeah, no, this was great. And it was completely made up. My friends did not actually break up. They just tricked people's court and got on people's court. Um, but they didn't tell me it was a big joke until we got to the show. And then the producer came in and was like, hey, by the way, if you say anything, uh, you're under oath. It'd be perjury. See you later. <laughs> so I just didn't say anything for the entire show. I just bobbled my head and I was a silent witness the entire time. That is absolutely hilarious. I didn't realize that that would perjure yourself. I thought it was a whole sham. I thought it was just a reality show. Yeah. I mean, good Lord. My, my two friends have got to go away for a long time because they <laughs> committed perjury the whole episode. Well... Hopefully they don't have to go to solitary confinement. Yeah, no, that that is terrible. And who else? Uh, Chelsea Manning is a is a high profile uh, solitary right. confinement person, and that's definitely fucked her up quite a bit. Chelsea Manning, of course, previously known as Bradley Manning, uh, before Edward Snowden, 
uh, and really um, the, the WikiLeaks. Mm-hmm. What's the man's Julian name? Assange. Julian, Julian Assange. Julian Assange. Bradley Manning was the one who really took the fall for Julian Assange in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the public outcry for putting snitches in prison, even in, if they're doing things for the greater good. They're all isolated in some way, though. Chelsea in prison. Julian and what the Equatorial. Uh, uh, he's in an embassy. He's in an I embi- believe. At the Ecuadorian so, yes. embassy he's in got, England. Yeah. And then, uh, and what is uh, Snowden still trapped at the airport in Russia? No, he's hanging out in Russia, having a great time. He hasn't been sober in years. Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Uh, let's switch gears uh, briefly here. Obviously, we have the Iowa primary coming up. What's in Iowa? If you're a Republican, evangelicals. Yeah. A lot of evangelical voters. This was supposed to be the base that Ted Cruz had cornered. Ted Ted Cruz has really, it's been a cornerstone, a principle of his entire political career, has been reaching out to the evangelical voters. Surprisingly enough, Donald J. Trump, the former atheist, the man who was uh, pro-choice, the man who was for uh, partial birth abortion, which is even controversial for a lot of people who are pro-choice, the man who is pro-gay marriage and always has been, who has not renounced that, uh, the man who has uh, done nothing at all to give to the poor. Mm-hmm. If anything, he has benefited greatly from the impoverished. He is getting support from the evangelical community, and in big ways, Jerry Falwell Jr. Mm, mm. He said uh, in a statement, Falwell called Trump, quote, a successful executive and entrepreneur, a wonderful father, and a man who I believe can lead our country to greatness again. He sounds a lot like Pontius Pilate to me, (laughs) but that's okay. Jerry Falwell Jr., a shocking endorsement. Of course, Ted Cruz, uh, for those that don't recall, announced his presidential bid at At Liberty Liberty. University, Mm -hmm. where, of course, Jerry Falwell Jr. is the president. Did he work really, really hard to become the president of Liberty University? (laughs) I don't think he did. I think his father let him have the job. <laughs> but this is this is shocking. Mm-hmm. And going back uh, to uh, prison abuse and our prison industrial complex, which is an absolute sham, one of the worst perpetrators of prisoner abuse in this country, a man who I believe to be a felon coming from Arizona, Sheriff Joe Arpaio, has also endorsed Donald J. Trump for the presidency of the United Holy States. Holy, sw- and let's not forget the other big one last week, Sarah Palin. Sarah she carries a big old evangelical stick. My God, if you judge people by who they associate with, mm. whew, <laughs> this isn't good for Donald. For people like us, for normal mainstream Americans, can Donald, will Donald Trump, my question to Marcus and you, Travis, will Donald Trump be able to go to the center like he's going to have to go to the center if he wins Iowa? He's going to take New Hampshire. He is up. Uh, I think he's up 19 points right now. He's crushing it. Uh, Ted Cruz has warned that if Donald Trump wins Iowa, he believes that will be the, uh, Iowa is the watershed. After Iowa, he goes into New Hampshire. Donald Trump just basically sweeps. Maybe Cruz can do something in South Carolina. But that's pretty much the end of the road. That's pretty much the end of the road for every other Republican presidential candidate if Trump wins Iowa. Do you think uh, Cruz uh, is right, first of all, in that if, if, uh, if, if Trump wins Iowa, it's all done? And do you think Trump is going to be able to go to the center with these very, 
very conservative endorsements. I mean, these are some of the most harmful personalities in America. I like, agree. Th- yeah, these are some. These are polarizing uh, people who have very. They incite uh, very ugly feelings in people. These mm-hmm. are some okay. of the ugliest Americans we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and is it worth it if they take if they give if they give Trump Iowa? Was it worth it though? Oh, uh, here's the thing. I don't think it's going to be done after I, even if Trump takes it. I really don't. I think this one's going all the way to the summer, no matter what. How do you see Trump uh, not taking it if he, if he takes Iowa, takes New Hampshire? He's up forty one percent nationally. Forty one percent domino effect from there. I don't see why it wouldn't. It <laughs> plays into the narrative of winning. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, if he is up forty one percent nationally, I I don't see how a candidate uh, gets any traction whatsoever. Jeb Bush's super PAC, Right to Rise, uh, is butchering Marco Rubio. They don't even really go against Donald Trump, and yeah. I don't know why they hate Rubio so much. Well, they, for Rubio's sensible immigration plan. Uh, so yeah, I don't see anybody overtaking uh, Trump if he if he takes the first two primary states. But we do have to think. I mean, two thousand eight, it was Huckabee. Two thousand twelve. It was Rick Santorum. Right. Um, but what didn't they do? Follow it up with a win in New Hampshire. At no point was Huckabee up, up in yeah. New Hampshire. At no point was Santorum up in New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. And the other thing about that is that these guys didn't have the momentum that Trump had. Yeah. Uh, when Santorum won Iowa, it was kind of a surprise uh, because Iowa was very yes. much up in the air at the time. So it was an extreme surprise because at that time, uh, the, the Republican— Newt Gingrich. Newt Gingrich. Newt Gingrich oh, was yeah, up Newt. a month before the Iowa caucuses. Everyone was like, President Newt. Yeah. And he loved it, that little waddly man. <laughs> in Iowa in 2012, it was anyone's game mm-hmm. yes. as far as the Republicans went. We didn't know what the hell was going to happen. And Ron Paul ended up taking uh, most of the delegates because his people stuck around a caucus. That's the whole other thing is the caucus mm-hmm. is an entirely new or not new, uh, but a, a completely different process from the primary. Primary is winner take all. Caucus is... Supporters have to hang around after they, the polls close That's and then correct. Like, sign up to be caucusers. And I believe there is 13 caucus states that do have mm-hmm. uh, that delegate share, which is which is interesting. So, yes, right. it, I'm not saying that Trump is going to d- get all the delegates, but uh, a W is a W in the eyes of the media and in the eyes of the people. That's true. So, But what's so interesting about Trump, I was in uh, reading the New York Times, and there was a, just a small article called The Obama Theory of Trump, and it's written by David Axelrod. Of course, I mean, he has been uh, working in political pa- uh, campaigns for decades. Uh, he's very well known. In 2007, he was, uh, in, as a matter of fact, in 2004, when Obama won the Senate seat, uh, he's been very influential in uh in shaping America's vision of what Barack Obama is. Basically, the article is about how the incumbent president, when there is an open seat election, the incumbent president is the uh, is the most important person in the race because the electorate is going to usually choose the opposite of what they've had for eight years. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'll just read a little bit from this, uh, from David Axelrod. He said, here's the gist. Open seat presidential elections are shaped by perceptions of the style and personality of the outgoing incumbent. Voters rarely seek the replica of what they have. They almost always seek the remedy. The candidate who has the personal qualities the public finds lacking in the departing executive to give one example, a young, energetic John F. Kennedy succeeds the grandfatherly uh, Dwight D. Eisenhower. So, mm-hmm. and you cannot, and we've said this before: Did Obama create Trump? 
in the way that you look at the thoughtfulness, the uh, lack of emotion, and unless he's discussing guns, and, 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 you know, to his detriment, I thought the lack of emotion when it comes to ISIS and, and foreign policy and a lot of different things that Obama has, uh, has had perceived inaction on. He has not been, you know, uh, in front of the American people selling us on anything. Right. But Donald Trump, I mean, he is, a, he is the opposite of that. He is the definition of not thoughtful, but the definition of a salesman. Yeah, I think this is spot on because this is this is all a culmination of the rise of the Tea Party that all started happening after the 2008 election. After Obama got in and they they went for Obamacare, they tried to do cap and trade, and they basically tried to you know Pelosi was the Democrats had the House, they had the Senate, they had the White House, they had the whole thing, and the turnaround then in 2010 was for the Sarah Palin's and Ron Paul uh, thought bubbles of 2008 to c- carry on to 2010. You had the Tea Party Revolution, where right. a lot of moderate Republicans got primaried out, mm-hmm. um, and it kept going. And then Mitt Romney was not a proper culmination of that. He was certainly a moderate. He was also a Mormon, so you know, made no sense to Tea Party people. And so here we are, 2016, Obama's finally done. Axelrod's nailed it. This is the culmination of the Tea Party uh, um, distaste for American politics has been bubbling for the eight years that Obama has been president. But wouldn't Absolutely. you say if the, if that is the case, Ted Cruz is the Tea Party candidate? I mean, he was he no, was Trump. It's like he's he, Trump's not even involved with government. He hates it, and when he goes right. out there and says it, that's what they like. But if you're Ted Cruz, you've been carrying this Tea Party football. For ninety yards downfield, you well, can see the end zone, when, when was, and then all of a sudden, uh, Donald J. Trump just comes up from behind, strips <laughs> the ball, and takes it in the end zone instead of uh, you. He's the hero, yeah. Well, Cruz came in in two thousand twelve, right? Rand Paul came in in two thousand ten. He came in on the Tea Party Express, but was Cruz two thousand ten as well, or was he two thousand? I think he was two thousand and twelve. I believe he's just a one term guy at this point. Okay, gotcha. And that's when Rubio came in as well, two thousand twelve. And Rubio came in as a very uh, as a centrist. Rubio was mm-hmm. not so much a part of the Tea Party move. That's why he is the establishment candidate right, right now. And people are desperate for him to make some inroads in Iowa. And you never know. Again, uh, Iowans make up their minds very, very late. I believe the last number I heard was 60 percent of them have. Uh, said that they will make up their minds within the for, uh, within the last 48 hours. Mm. Uh, so you really never know what's going to happen. And again, Trump's um, ability to get the people out to caucus is still in question. He says that he has a ground game, but he refuses to tell anybody where it is, who's running it, and how many people are involved. So we'll see if it's real or if it is uh, you know, just a, uh, a Trump facade. But I got to give the guy credit whenever he has said something up to this point, he has backed it up, whether it be his tax reforms, whether it be his wealth, things like that. Wow. I do think after Iowa, uh, it'll be Trump or Cruz. It'll definitely be Trump or Cruz. I think Rubio takes third. Um, and I think uh, and we've talked about this after the last debate. Um, after Iowa, you lose Santorum and Huckabee because Huckabee hasn't officially dropped out yet, has he? He was in the like the last under. Hey, mom. First things first, thank you. It's my one year anniversary of my decision to say, yes, I need help, and yes, I choose me. And that's the miracle. I'm lucky that the strongest person I know is my own mother. Love you, Mom. Maxwell. Be that strong person who makes the difference. If your loved one is struggling with drugs and alcohol, reach out to Karen for a different kind of addiction treatment. Visit caron.org slash lost. 
You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. I, th- I don't know. I think Huckabee went down to Flint. He heard there was a bunch of lead in the water, and he can't get enough of drinking the stuff. Oh, okay, great. No, um, he said, uh, yeah, by uh, 11 minutes ago, uh, a story came out of the Des Moines Register. Mike Huckabee, I am running to be president. That's oh, great. Good. Oh, good. running for That's something. why he was running. <laughs> I thought he was running to lose yeah, weight. Uh, yeah, and he proclaimed working. that at a barbecue restaurant in front of 45 people. <laughs> <laughs> I get the feeling that Huckabee is only campaigning in places he wants to eat. <laughs> not, yeah. not a bad move. Not I got to give the guy credit, yeah. That was the best part about that documentary caucus is just yes. watching Rick Santorum eat all the all the uh, Iowa food all the time. Yes. That's also my favorite clip of Hillary Clinton. Uh, I, I don't like the woman but she really nailed the uh, eating the pork chop on a stick mm. she took a big old bite and she's like mm, that's good that's right that's a 2011 documentary 2012 documentary called caucus all about the iowa caucuses from that year uh, check it out it's absolutely illuminated and phenomenal and you're right you get to see a lot of candidates eating a lot of meat mm-hmm. and that does make them more appealing to the american people and you did get to see mitt romney eat a big fat dick on that stage when that guy asked him out if corporations were people this is right this is where Mitt Romney dropped the bomb, where corporations are people, my, my friend. friend. And then everything and went then his south. And time from was there. up. Yeah. <laughs> it was all done. Was it? But let's go to the Democrats really quick. Uh, sure. Bernie Sanders, they just had a Democratic town hall. I don't know exactly. It didn't really feel like a town hall. It seemed to me like most of the people in the audience were plants, but that's okay. Yeah, it was rigged for Hillary. It was. Everything does seem to be rigged for Hillary. Uh, Bernie is very, very close to catching Hillary. It's it's just a, it's a tie at, at this point. Again, it's going to come down to who has the um, who has the ground game. Hillary's ground game is is dead on. I mean, they are going to be very intense. Bernie again, he might fall into the trap of the youth love him, but you know, as a person who is not that far removed from extreme youth, who I like to, th- I'm still pretty young. Yeah, but when I was when I was very young, you know, sometimes elections come and go, and a, a bong was loaded up, mm-hmm. and you just so happened to miss a day or two. <laughs> so we'll see if we'll see if Bernie's younger supporters will show up. But uh, he recently just finally showed his tax plan, and Marcus, we looked over uh, a little bit of it. My God, I have to say. It's insane. Uh, at the last uh, at the Democratic town hall, uh, Bernie Sanders said, we will raise taxes. Of course, we, w- uh, we will. Opposite of uh, what happened with George H.W. Bush in 1991 when he promised no new taxes. And then, of course, he raised taxes. So you do wonder if Bernie does win the presidency and he uh, doesn't raise taxes. Is he out for lying? Who yeah. knows? The only president who's ever ousted for not raising taxes. My question is, will the American people let this go? The idea of running on a campaign, running a campaign, running on a platform that promises to raise taxes doesn't sound that appealing to me. But, Marcus, you have some numbers. If he does frame this properly, and that, but that's also what you say, Ben, is that, you know, if you're explaining, you're losing. But if he frames this properly, most Americans aren't going to take the gigantic tax increase no. that is going to come into play. Like, for example, like people making $10 million or more a year are going to pay 77% uh, oh, that's of the fun. total wage tax. 
But a lot of Americans are going to see their taxes raised by it looks like an average of about nine percent, which is a that's a large number. It's and a, that is a lot. That a is lot a lot of money. money. It's a large number. But if he is able to frame it in such a way that yes, your taxes will raise. But your quality of life will go up and right. you will save money in other ways. If he can frame it mm -hmm. that way, then I think he can make this work. Right, right. And that's a very difficult thing to pitch to the American public who have they have no patience for numbers yeah. with these kinds of things. But you're absolutely right. In theory, in theory, and of course it's all in theory, if Bernie's socialist policies did work, uh, your health care costs would go down. Your uh, college, I mean, God knows, I've college loans, that's the biggest thing hanging over my head negative sixty thousand dollars in debt for college loans those go down healthcare costs go down housing costs go down uh yeah your cost of living is is way more affordable minimum wages go up to mm -hmm. 15 so it, it is um oof. all right so the one issue Who with knows? that is basically uh what happens with the minimum wage going up that means employers cut Cut uh, employer uh, employers cut employees right. and they and their uh, benefits and their and their benefits they cut them to thirty nine hours a week or twenty nine hours a week whatever isn't considered full time then that person has to go out and get two jobs and they end up being uh, more screwed in the long run and when it comes to his uh, when it comes to the with the premiums with health care correct mm -hmm. uh, at no point are we seeing right now with Obamacare it's not exactly going wonderfully and I think I'm, I'm concerned that people will see what happens with Obamacare uh, and regardless of it, if the Supreme Court deemed it constitutional there's people like Rand Paul who still believe it not to be constitutional will that be the lackluster rollout out of, of Obamacare and it's not really loved in this country right now now, is that going to hurt his uh, tax plan in, in general? Well, I think part of a, part of his health care system, I think, does play into what you said about the minimum wage raising, causing employers to uh, cut employees and to keep them at 39, you know, 39.5 hours. With uh, Bernie Sanders, with his plan, he is going to take away that requirement that businesses have to have right now. Like, say, they have so many employees, they have to start paying into health care, so businesses businesses don't grow. If he takes that out, if he takes out the possibility or if he takes out the requirement that businesses have to play, pay full-time employees out of health care, mm -hmm. then things might grow a little bit. Right. Businesses, uh, supposedly with Bernie's plan, businesses save a lot of money by not having to provide health benefits for everybody because the entire nation's on a single-payer health care system, which is very different is, the from The country Obamacare. is far too... It is very different from Obamacare. Obama Canada had has, He had to compromise, mm -hmm. and Canada is an absolute living hell. Um, <laughs> what? Oh, Canada's terrible. Have you heard about it? Have you watched uh, Heroes Reborn? They butchered that show. That's for damn as sure. As I know, Canada's doing pretty good. Toronto, oh, yeah. Toronto keeps hiring like uh, idiots as mayors, but right, otherwise right. Toronto You're does... You're talking about Rob Ford? <laughs> no, he was great. Have you seen Under Arrest? The Canadian cops program. But you can't just base everything about <laughs> Canada and their politics awesome. by their reality television shows. Have you seen Dear Zachary? <laughs> oh, right. That's a very, yeah, sure. I don't know, man. I mean, if you look at cops versus under arrest, Canada seems to be doing pretty good. Well, they're much nicer. They're yeah. much, much nicer. Much I'm more nicer. of a violent. I get entertained by violence more. I like a good old-fashioned American cops. And maybe a Portugal cops as well. <laughs> I think Ted Cruz would be a good mayor of Toronto. <laughs> I think he should do that. 
I think that he That'd would be a good be line well. for Donald. So basically, you know, I am not an economist, <laughs> believe it or not. I know that's shocking news to everybody. I'm yeah. a professional podcaster. So is Marcus Parks, comedian, and things like that. Uh, from my understanding, if you tax the wealthy, if you tax the one percent, you get one hundred percent. You get roughly one point two trillion dollars, which would pay for school for everyone in this country for, I believe, a year and a half, maybe two years. It just doesn't seem sustainable. And again, I don't see Bernie Sanders' tax plan resonating with the American people. At the end of the day. Uh, taking money out of a person's paycheck and giving it to the government and assuming that the government is going to spend your money better than you, I just don't see how he sells it to the American people in a general election, which is why Jeb Bush has the right to ride a super PAC, which are showing... Um, which are, uh, you know, blasting the airwaves in Iowa right now, and uh, they're all going against Bernie Sanders, but they're basically just giving the exact message that Bernie Sanders gives, and it's this very bizarre super PAC ad where they say, Bernie Sanders, too liberal for Iowa, but it's actually like a wink because they know for a fact that some people are going to watch that ad and go out and vote for Bernie Sanders. Yeah. So it's a very subversive negative ad slash a positive ad for Bernie Sanders in a way to get more voters out to uh to derail Hillary's work in Iowa. Republicans want to run against Sanders. They absolutely want to run against Sanders because I would love to hear him explain his tax plan over and over and over again because as soon as he <laughs> says I will raise taxes it's guaranteed. I think the ears uh they tighten up. They tighten up like a fish in water and no one wants to hear what's coming in. So if if we've got Trump versus Sanders uh, I don't know if I could throw this out there, but obviously the big news that I also heard this week is that Michael Bloomberg yeah. is saying, well, if it's Sanders versus Trump and there's no Hillary Clinton, then I'm going to jump in, too. Right. So, so the you got political... three old New Yorkers. <laughs> right, right, right. How interesting is that? Two Jewish. Two yeah. Jew all running for president of the United States. Yeah. Two of them billionaires, two of them Jewish. Mm -hmm. And but... technically, I mean, Hillary Clinton uh, also served here yeah. in New York State. So right. You, it's uh, I actually read a little Daily News column uh, today that said that we got our our very own Subway Series presidential candidate. That's, that's great. It'll yeah. be it'll be like my morning commute. <laughs> yeah, that, that's very very true. And God knows the nation should feel feel totally comfortable because New York politics are so not corrupt, <laughs> not at all. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah New Governor, York real estate isn't the biggest nightmare in the no. entire country. Governor Cuomo didn't set up an independent, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> Governor Cuomo, for those that don't know, set up an independent investigation to find corruption in uh, in Albany, the the capital here in New York. And uh, they worked for about two months, and then he uh, he shut it down. <laughs> yeah, he was just like, oh, you know what? Never mind. Independent yeah. committee, don't bother finding anything like a truffle hog in the woods uh, when it comes to finding, I suppose, truffle. Mm -hmm. They were looking for corruption, and I think they found quite a bit of it. And uh, Cuomo shut that down fairly quickly. So it might not be the greatest thing for the country to have four candidates running with New York ties but you know it is what it is but yes so mayor michael bloomberg said that he would get into the race if bernie sanders beats hillary clinton in the democratic primary and if donald trump wins the republican primary making bloomberg the establishment candidate in a very strange way i suppose so yeah, bloomberg yeah. i do not see uh from the numbers that we've seen so far and this is an extremely new announcement and so people uh, they haven't really thought about it too much trump uh, Sanders, Bloomberg, 
Most polls have Trump winning that, but by 30, at about 37%. Some have Bernie winning it with 35%. And again, the last third-party, three-party race we had was Bill Clinton, who ended up winning. It was Bill Clinton, Ross Perot, and, of course, uh, George H.W. Bush. Clinton ended up winning with roughly 43.7% of the vote. Mm-hmm. So we might be looking at a president who wins with less than 40% of the vote, so not exactly going in like a Barack Obama in more or less a landslide, more or less a, uh, what do you call this, a, a landslide? You mandate. Had a mandate yeah. from the people. There will not be a mandate. So uh, a Donald Trump type or a Bloomberg type, specifically Bloomberg, who has very uh, a long history of executive um, experience with 12 years, one of those terms here in uh, four of those years here in New York City being illegal mm-hmm. because the man rewrote the uh, the New York Constitution mm-hmm. and uh, and said he could run for three terms of governor as opposed to two ter- as mayor rather as opposed to two terms. Uh, Bernie Sanders going in with 35 percent of the American uh, people's support. I don't see how he gets anything done when it comes to passing his tax ideas through Congress. And of course, Congress holds the purse and they at the end of the day decide what we're spending, uh, how much money we're spending and what we're spending it on. Could be a good old negotiation tactic, though. Go in. Expecting mm-hmm. so much more. For, no, you're, no, you're, you're talking about gonna... you're talking about Bernie Sanders' tax plan as yes. a good negotiation uh, uh, position for him to be in now. Going yeah. in, going, going in, in with the bar set. Yeah, high. going in with the bar set extremely high and getting what you want, but right. when is, they come down. Yeah. I mean, some people say that's why the Affordable uh, again, the Care Affordable Act. Care Act uh, was so toothless because they went in with exactly what they wanted. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they're going to bring it down. They're going to water it down. So they say that's why it was such a terrible bill when and, it was passed. Yeah, and they've been slowly dismantling it. Of course, the Supreme Court, again, gave them a big a big victory. So, yeah, that would be a whole nother variable, and we could see something uh, really phenomenal. Michael Bloomberg, I do not believe that he would take many votes away from Donald Trump. I actually think he would take more votes away from Bernie Sanders. If, if this, of course, is if Bernie beats Hillary, which I I, that's going to be extremely difficult. I don't really see it happening, again, because of the tax problems. But if that would occur, I could see Bloomberg taking more away from Bernie because of his more socially liberal positions uh, and definitely being uh, despised by a lot of Trump and Tea Party core supporters for things such as his much-talked-about soda ban. The, oh, yeah. The Bloomberg soda ban, for better or for worse, has been discussed and it is so symbolic of American freedom. Take they're taking my soda. Taking- that's almost that's worse than taking your guns. <laughs> if you told the American people you were going for their Mountain Dew or their Glock, they would here's my here's my Glock. I need my do. Yeah. Oh, I gotta no, go to work in the oh, morning. Oh no, it's Diet Coke. Oh, Diet Coke. Yeah, you gotta have your Diet Coke, boy. Yeah, yeah three large double cheeseburgers and a mm. Diet Coke, please. I love <laughs> it. So that's another possible uh, outcome here in this uh, in this unbelievably unpredictable primary season. But, of course, uh, Bloomberg would have to announce something very, very soon, something by March. It would have to be clear, and, and again, because he made his intentions known, that he will only do it if Sanders and Trump are poised to get their nominations. That's the only way he'll jump out and do it. Uh, I will say Bernie said, uh, and I thought it was a great point, he's like, if I'm running against two billionaires, then it's me versus the oligarchy, and I do think we will win that race. That's what he said, and I think he brings up a great point. But I do also have it from Roger Stone via text that a Bloomberg candidacy only helps Trump, and it will be huge. And and there you go, and that that gives Trump the election. I so absolutely. Either way, super bizarre. 
My God. <laughs> my God. My God. My God. Three old New York guys just having at it. Just having at it for the presidency of the United States and having the time of their lives. And I understand what uh, you know Sanders is saying regarding the oligarchy. I do uh, have a little bit of a different opinion because at the very least we get to see the monster behind the curtain. We get to see the puppet master. You know, we get to see the Oz uh, you know, or the Wizard of Oz, rather. Oh, it, and I think there yeah. is something appealing uh, to that. That is one of the things that appeals uh, people to Trump. That people who like Trump, they like that about him. And I mean, maybe, maybe they'll like that about Bloomberg too. Although he is uh, tinier and uh, way less uh, charming, and his gun stance is going to be completely that's gonna destroyed. Flop. That's going to flop. There's no way anyone on the right. I mean, uh, for those that don't remember, uh, Governor Mayor Bloomberg, I apologize, Mayor Bloomberg, he was he started the mayors for gun control, oh, uh, yeah. which was the mayors around the country all getting together and discussing gun control. He was really uh, he's been adamant about closing the, the gun show loopholes in Virginia. Obviously, here in New York City, we get a lot of those guns coming up from Virginia through D.C., uh, through Washington, and then obviously here uh, in New York City. So that's not going to play at all with the right i don't see him taking away anything from trump i think he only takes away right. from the left in my opinion because mm -hmm. the, the 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 soda and the guns yeah those are really we like fat and we like shooting mm -hmm. and that we like to be fat and shoot <laughs> well bloomberg is the centrist candidate and yeah. uh there's well, do you think so yeah absolutely you think so yeah without a doubt it's bloomberg's tough. the centrist candidate because he was a centrist but for new york city and that makes you anywhere else Pretty far to the left. Yeah, I mean, I mean the whole scale is different. But I, yeah, I mean, if in, you compar think it, in comparison yeah. to the other two, yeah, Donald Trump's so far to the right now. Well, I mean, he would have. I mean, Donald Trump in I don't know 2005 would have probably been more of the centrist candidate. But yeah. these days, Bernie Sanders is so far mm -hmm. to the left. Uh, but you know, centrist candidates tend to take more people from the right than, or more people from the left than they do from the right. Mm -hmm. So yeah, uh, Bloomberg gets into the ring. Trump. Wow. That it's would all seal Trump. the deal. All right. Well, uh, just quickly, you know, I was speaking with my friend Nomi. She works for Rand Paul. We got to give Rand Paul some love. He's polling fourth or fifth in Iowa right now. He wasn't in the last Republican debate, and everybody agreed that Rand Paul won the last uh, Republican debate because he was not in it. And uh, you know what, Marcus? I love Rand Paul. I just got to say it. And between Bernie, Hillary, Trump, and Cruz, I mean, I feel like Rand Paul is one of the people that has um, – the best ideas for the country. And again, libertarian, there's no doubt about it. When you get into office, you have to go to the middle. When you Obviously, when you run uh, for the presidency, you have to go to the middle. But uh, certainly when you get into the office. So I think his foreign policy would become a little bit more hawkish once the military gets his ear. But for the most part, I think Rand Paul needs to be heard a little bit more in this primary debate. I like him, but I think his year's 2024. 2024, that could be yeah. if he stays in. He is a Democrat challenging him right now in Kentucky. But one of the good things, Rand Paul very against Common Core, which is something that a lot of Republicans are still on board with, and most uh, Democrats are on board with. No child left behind. Rand Paul has been against that since day one. Many Democrats supported that. He's got a whole series of great ideas when it comes to not mass incarceration, but uh, you know, actual... Uh, reform of these individuals. So I feel like he definitely needs to be heard more on the Republican side. And ironically enough, if Rand Paul ran as an independent, I think he could steal a lot of votes from the left. Well, and he could save money and time by just uh, running with the libertarians if he really 
really felt that he was uh, shysted by the the GOP. I think the Libertarians, uh, of course, there's a lot of debate in the Libertarian side if they would let Rand Paul, like if they would give him the nomination, uh, because that's how hardcore Libertarians are for no reason. (laughs) But um, uh, I, you know, I, I. if he wanted to save money, he could just run with the Libertarians. They already have ballot access in uh, at least 30 other states. But then he's got to hang out with Bob Barr. No, no one's hanging out with Bob Barr. Bob <laughs> Barr's gone. That guy's gone. Wayne Allen Root. Is he? Yeah. Bob Barr's VP uh, pick, Wayne Allen Root, is a, is a Trump fan. Um, Wayne Allen Root sounds like a serial killer. We're going to cover our last <laughs> podcast on the left. He he might be. He might be. I, I I'm not ruling it out yet. I've met the man. He's Certain privacy rights that I love about Rand, more targeted surveillance, no bulk data collection. American Revolution was fought over the Fourth Amendment rights. He is one of the staunch uh, conservative supporters of the Constitution. Civil liberties, yeah. Civil liberties, well, and he hasn't wavered one But bit. progressives are on that train, too. Bernie Sanders is also very pro-civil liberties. Uh, it's probably good noting that Bernie Sanders voted for uh, Rand Paul's audit the Fed bill uh, the other week. That's right. Rand wanted so to audit the, the same Fed. Page on that. Ted Cruz did not show up to audit the Fed, despite the fact that he was uh, he's he moonlights as a libertarian oh, when it's, it's convenient. Such bullshit. But his wife works for Goldman Sachs, so of he's course. literally in bed with Wall Street. <laughs> That's right. If you go to Rand Paul's website, if you if, go to Rand- if they're sleeping together, which I don't know. Yeah. Look at Ted Cruz. Yeah. If you're wondering why Rand Paul is so stressed, go to his website and find Rand Paul in issues. One bullet point, I spend my days defending the Bill of Rights, ah. which you can imagine how exhausting that is constantly. <laughs> so, But anyway, I, I really do love Rand Paul, and I hope he gets some attention coming up. He's hitting the airwaves more than he ever has before, and I think he's got a really good chance. Opposite idea of Bernie Sanders when it comes to who keeps your money, you do you keep it or do you give it to the government? I personally don't believe the government's going to do a very good job with it because you look at New York City, you know, as a country, we spend more on education than any country on the face of the planet. And our kids are still pretty dumb. They're the dumbest <laughs> of any kids in the industrialized world. Or mm-hmm. they're not the dumbest. Their education is sadly the worst. Thankfully, they are intelligent enough, many of them, to overcome the lack of good education in this country. So give Rand a look uh, if you're out in New Hampshire or out in Iowa. I really think he could uh, make some waves. And honestly, if he can get into the third or even fourth in Iowa, that would, that would do amazing. Then he's for the next, the next round. Absolutely. Four years from now. Well, I think— Well, not, I mean, even now. I mean, yeah. going into New Hampshire, he could, he could uh, you know, go two or one. I mean, it's possible. It would be fascinating to have a uh, Sanders versus Paul— uh, election where it is just the most libertarian candidate on the right and the most progressive can- candidate on the left. One wants to tax you when the other one doesn't, and mm-hmm. on social issues, they're all the same. Well, that, that goes right in line with what I've always said about millennial politics is that uh, our generation, the people on the left are more left than the previous generation, and the people on the right are more libertarian than the previous uh, Republican generation. So I, everyone who's our age, you know, most of the conservatives we know are socially liberal, fiscally conservative. They're definitely more libertarian, and certainly more of the uh, the Democrats, lefties that I know are super progressive, ready for single payer healthcare and everything that Bernie's talking about. So I don't know. I think Marcus has a point. I what if what if Bernie uh, squeaks in with a thirty five percent population uh, or a popular vote uh, with uh, Elizabeth Warren, 
<clears throat> and then uh, and then in 2020, um, the Republicans finally get their shit together after the big Trump debacle. And uh, they finally acknowledge that libertarianism is the way of the future for their party. And Rand Paul does get the nomination. That would be a fascinating, a president Bernie, a sitting president Bernie Sanders versus a libertarian senator Rand Paul. My God. That'd be a lot of fun. Ooh. Well, I mean, I'll tell you it'd one make thing. me feel better about America again. I'll tell you that. Much. Right? At least it'd be mm-hmm. an intelligent conversation. Yeah. As opposed to Trump uh, yelling about uh, Canada and Bloomberg that uh, sodas for nobody. Yeah. <laughs> Strangely enough, people think that Trump will be. Uh, you know, uh, very much like a dictator or like a like a going back to Pontius Pilate. What do you call Pontius Pilate? A judge? <laughs> nah, whatever the hell he was. They was, wore. Uh, they, what did they wear there? They had the. They had the. Uh, a Jew? No, he's not yeah, Jew. No, the Jew. olive. The olive thing. Though the, the, they they had they had uh, a Caesar. Leaves. They had leaves. The leaf thing. A Roman. He was a oh, pilot. <laughs> he wasn't a pilot. The leaves. They wore it on their heads. What are you talking? Uh, I don't know what you mean. No, yeah, it, it was like a visor, but it was all dumb. It didn't have a thing on the front. A laurel? Is that what it's called? It's called a laurel. <laughs> I could see Bernie Sanders wearing one of those. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I can see that. Right? And a toga. <laughs> yeah, it yeah. looks like they kind of guy. And having a great time. <laughs> right. All right, so that's an Why update. Why is he wearing a laurel? I just feel like he could. <laughs> I just feel like he's the kind of guy that would. He does kind of look like the Little Caesars guy. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah or just like an old time, like a Roman senator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> walk around with his big old stack of paper or um, concrete slabs. Bernus Sanders. Yeah, Bernus Sanders. <laughs> Who knows? Laurel. All right, good to know. I've got that in the lockbox. Lock it up. Lock it up. Laurel. <laughs> I can see Bernie Sanders wearing a laurel. <laughs> Edit out everything up to that point. Absolutely not. Oh, all right. Thank you so much. That's great. Uh, thanks for being here, Travis. Thank you so much. Check me out on Twitter, Travis Irvine, USA. That's great. Find him on Twitter, Travis Irvine, USA. You can also find Marcus Parks on Twitter, at Marcus Parks. I'm on Twitter, at Ben Kissel. I'm going to be on uh, Kennedy on Fox Business this Thursday. What date is that, Marcus Parks? That will be January 28th, which will be very exciting. And, uh, yeah, that's it. Go join the last po- – or go join the uh, round oh, – my goodness. How many podcasts do we do together? The last podcast on the left Facebook page, join that. The Roundtable of Gentlemen Facebook page, join that. Mm-hmm. And then the Abe Lincoln's Top Hat page on Facebook, go join that as well. Yeah. That'll be exciting. We like to specialize. <laughs> right, right, We tried right. putting it all in one place, and it was just a goddamn mess. <laughs> yeah, that like, makes sense. Sounds yeah. like too much. Yeah. Yeah, everyone's just kind of fighting and trying to kill each other there, <laughs> uh, which is exciting. Um, all right, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am and how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. When it comes to buying your first home, everyone has questions. Can we even afford to buy a house right now? Well, I need to negotiate. How do I even negotiate? Luckily, a REMAX agent has answers. Hey, Brian, those are really good questions. They are? Thanks. It's my first time buying. I work with first-time buyers all the time. I got you. Remax agents have more experience than other real estate agents. Visit Remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. 
The right agent can lead the way. Each office independently owned and operated.